Hi there, I'm Daniel Eccles, and this is the Learned Opportunity Podcast. This podcast is for emerging leaders, those folks who are building their platforms, sharpening their skills, and dreaming for the future. Join me as I help emerging leaders like you get unstuck so that you can start creating huge opportunities in your personal and professional life. I talk to some of the best leaders out there about how they've created opportunities in their own lives, share my opportunity creating best practices from my experience as a certified career counselor and personal and professional development nerd, and I'll also chat with other emerging leaders about opportunity creating repeatable actions that you can apply to your life today. We're ready, so let's get started with Learned Opportunity. A few months ago, I did an Instagram poll asking you what robs you of opportunities in your life. And people answered that they're robbed of opportunities because of their mindset. Other participants said that they were deprived of an opportunity if they didn't have enough resources they needed to seize that opportunity. But most of you answered that you're robbed of opportunities because you just don't know what you want. And if you don't know what you want, then Mark Kumasek is here to help. Now, Mark is a professional in uncovering your dreams and helping you achieve them as a certified dream manager, mental fitness coach, hope dealer, and he's an epic encourager. He has helped thousands of individuals be more engaged to work and meet their big, hairy, audacious goals. He's got programs like 21 Days of Dreaming and Dream Kickstarter, and I really think that you will enjoy hearing about how you can uncover your dreams. So here's my conversation with Mark Kumasek. Well, Mark, I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for coming. And I want you to just take a little bit of time here to talk to listeners. Tell them a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and what's actually important for people to know. Awesome, Daniel. It's an absolute honor to be here. Thank you for taking some time with me. It's good to get to know you and have a little conversation with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So yeah, what what is Mark all about? Gosh, I'm all about dreams, dreams mm-hmm. and hope. Two of what people often think about as, as soft concepts, I specialize in those. So um, I actually happen to be, of all things, a certified dream manager. And yes, you can get certified in something like that. Uh, I did that back in 2019. But what I do is I, I help individuals and organizations and people within organizations get in touch with their life goals and dreams, articulate them, plan for them, and ultimately get after them. Mm. So that's what I specialize in. And then there's this, yeah. this sister concept of hope that we can dig into a little bit as well that I've really been geeking out on lately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can definitely get into that. You mentioned a little bit that it's focusing on some of these soft things or maybe soft skills. And, and those can be ignored or we can be distracted from uh, working on those sort of things. And a lot of businesses or people that employ these emerging leaders might not put a lot of value on some of those soft skills over those hard skills. Why is it important for us to figure some of these soft things like dreams, values, mm-hmm. goals, hope out before necessarily working on the hard Sure. Well, I'll give you the kind of the backstory on this whole dream thing. So, because this all came out of a book that I read, mm. gosh, 
probably seven or eight years ago now called The Dream Manager by an author named Matthew Kelly. And that book talks about an organization that's having all sorts of retention, turnover, and engagement mm. issues. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well, everywhere today. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Especially a year ago when we were talking about great resignation, obviously things have changed a bit, but the, the book is all about an organization, a cleaning company that's having 400% plus turnover. Wow. So they're hiring for the same position four or five times a year at a minimum. So as you can imagine, that has a tremendous impact on their success (laughs) and the success of their people. And you have different people showing up to a job site every day. That's not going to go well (laughs) from a client Mm -hmm. retention perspective. So it's having all sorts of impacts on their business, but they try a a number of different things in order to bring that under control into a more respectable level and they make some progress, but they're still failing to have the breakthrough that they really need to, to be successful in their business. Then they, they do some employee surveying. And one thing they found is the common element is, hey, people have these life goals and dreams. How can we utilize that concept to drive the, the, the business forward? So they get this off the wall idea to put someone in place called the dream manager, who's there, kind of what I mentioned earlier, for mm-hmm. their people to help them articulate plan for, ultimately get after their life goals and dreams. What they end up seeing in a short period of time, once they put this concept into place, is that not only does the turnover substantially go down because they've helped people make some of their important life dreams come true, like owning their first home yeah, or, or running a marathon or taking that dream trip to Alaska. They've helped people do these kinds of things. And then all of a sudden there's this intense level of loyalty beyond compensation for what your employer has done for you. And in addition to that, they start people seeing people show up to work with a higher level of energy mm. because Naturally, if you're more engaged in your life as a whole, you're going to show up to work as a more engaged version of yourself as well. So they see all sorts of benefits from this and they move from 400% turnover down to a more respectable, especially in that industry, 130%. Yeah. 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 Fine. Because their, their take on it is, Hey, we don't expect you to want to scrub toilets the rest of your life. Let us be a vehicle to helping you take that next step and make some of your life goals and dreams come true. So they become a human capital company in a way, instead of just a cleaning company. And even though they didn't get perfect scores on retention from that, what that probably helped was finding more candidates in the future because they know the culture of that place. Hey, I worked here and they really were supportive and it was great. Let me tell you about it. And you can go and check that place out yourself. So it's not all on retention, but it also created some some work culture that probably benefited them as well. Oh, bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. You help people move on to the next step in their career. Cool. That's great for them. But also, yeah, it does exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to talk to family and friends and say, hey, if you want somewhere to go work to start your career, go there. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you're going to, you're going to bring your all every day. You're going to make some money, but they're also more importantly going to help you move towards your life goals and dreams career-wise and otherwise. Mm. So you work both sides of this probably with being a dream manager. You're working with the the people that are at the company that are and trying to help support their dreams. And you're also trying to support the the vision of the employers. Let's talk a little bit more on the side of the the people that you're trying to help through the dreams. Can we actually do something to create our future or create opportunities? Or how much control do we actually have in achieving or going after these dreams? 
more than we give ourselves credit <laughs> for most days, I would say. I mean, when you think back, Daniel, to when you're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, we tend to dream without limits, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. We just dream big and we think we're going to be Michael Jordan and winning the, the seventh game of the NBA finals, or we think we're going to dig a hole in the sandbox and, and dig our way to China. And we truly believe we're going to get there, mm. you know, or we're going to sail across that, that big ocean or lake and end up in some what, crazy, awesome land and discover some things. I mean, we dream, that's the way we dream. But then something happens as we move through life and become quote unquote responsible adults. We stop giving ourselves permission to go there. We don't make the time and space to do it. We don't think we deserve to. All these excuses come into play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just, it's unfortunately, it's this natural progression that takes place as we get older, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. And we stop dreaming. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a nasty place, in my humble opinion. And I think Henry David Thoreau had it correct back in, I think it was 1887, were so somewhere around there. He uh, when he made his way to Walden Walden Pond, and within a first few pages of his writing, he made the observation that most men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. And mm. I think when we don't dream and we don't get after our dreams and we refuse to even go there, we end up in a spot what which is best described as quiet desperation. So he made that observation. What? 150 years ago or so. Yeah, um, gosh. but I think we can still see it. You know, we can definitely still see it now. It may be even worse now. Right. We don't have right. that sort of space that he had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's to a, go and reflect it, and think about things. Yeah. And when I think of quiet, I I know I've lived quiet desperation numerous times throughout my life, mm. and, and at the times when it creeped in, and it's of course it's easier to do the retrospect and see those moments, but it's when I was completely out of touch with life goals and dreams. I did. Mm. I was just kind of lost in a lot of ways. So if you don't mind kind of jumping into one of those uh, those times, because that would be a a time that you as a, as a leader have felt stuck um, in that quiet desperation that that is a great definition of what it feels like to be stuck. You don't know where to go. You don't even necessarily know what you want, but you just know that something is not right. So what was that time? What was it like? and, And how did you start moving on from it? Well, there's, it's kind of funny you asked this question, Daniel, because I was just crafting yesterday a LinkedIn post on three times in my life that I can think of relatively recent where I was in the mode of quiet desperation. So I'm actually prepared for this. (laughs) How convenient. Good. Yeah. So uh, I'll go through one. And if you want me to share more, I'll I'll get more into it. But I'm going to go back a ways to earlier in my career. Prior to being a dream manager, believe it or not, I was in more traditional type of roles within organizations. I was with one organization for almost 15 years when we were in this niche area of the insurance industry. But I'll go back, gosh, probably, oh, 2006, 2007. So I'm working on a very high profile project extremely high profile project. And and I worked my way into it. I got involved in it before I knew it. I was asked to lead the project. This baby was tanking. This mm. project was not going well. In addition to that, my, my dog was in the emergency pet <laughs> hospital and my wife and I had an infant on our hands and didn't know what the hell we were doing. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that perfect storm. And I literally, I remember being at work and I didn't know what to do. I was like freaking out. I, I just left. I had to go. I was in the mm. midst of a panic attack. Mm. And I look back at that now. I'm like, dude, total case of quiet desperation. 
Mm. And I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't want to look weak. I didn't want to, you know what I mean? Mm. And I, I didn't have necessarily an understanding of what was going on inside of me. And I didn't realize at the time that this stuff is pretty common and, and there are ways to kind of work your way through this. I took it all and I internalized all of this, trying to be the strong leader and the strong head of the household and all that stuff as well. And uh, I collapsed mm. under that, that quiet desperation at that point in time. Mm. Yeah. So how did it, you move on from there? I, I guess yeah. when you get stuck into that, there's so many different factors, things that, um, you're struggling with, there's mindset, there's oh, just yeah. the, the hustle and the hurry and right. anxiety about needing to live up to expectations. There's comparison to other people yeah. at your company and life and what they're doing. How do you navigate all of those things and get to a point where you're able to be refocused and start going towards more purpose? Right. Yeah. So at that point in time, I wasn't to the point where I was ready to, or even capable of really thinking, diagnosing this and saying, oh, it's because I don't know what dream I really right. want to be li I living. I was li truly living someone else's dream at that point, mm. especially career-wise. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't mature enough to understand that at that point in time and to go that deep with that questioning. But so how I got through that situation was, thankfully, my wife was the rock. <laughs> she, was, she was able to help me navigate that situation. And uh, frankly, my, uh, my boss at work at the time, too, was fantastic. And between those two relationships, they helped get me through it. And I learned a lot from that scenario too. More, more, the most important aha moment from that whole situation was to stop taking myself so damn seriously. Huh. <laughs> yeah, just lighten up a bit, man. I mean, seriously, that none of this is worth that. And truly, I've never got back to that point of having a panic attack or anything like that mm. because I just decided to lighten up and just take it far less seriously than I was. Mm. I'm putting so much pressure on myself. I don't have to be the perfect leader. I don't have to be the perfect dad. I don't have to be the perfect husband. All of that stuff. So setting some of that stuff aside was the aha moment for that particular bout with the quiet desperation. That's good. Yeah. What Do you see emerging leaders today getting stuck in the same sort of ways or, or what other ways are you seeing emerging leaders struggling? Yeah, I think most? there's some of that there. I'm actually yeah. working with a group of emerging leaders right now who are working through some programming with me. And I see that. I see the, the pressure. Mm -hmm. they're putting on themselves, especially at that point in life too, where you're emerging leader, you tend to have a, an emerging family as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and you've set some things aside in your life in order to focus on everybody else. Mm. And you're trying to be everything for everyone. And it's not every emerging leader, but I do see that in a good portion of people. And I could see that when I look back at my history too, dude, I was totally there. <laughs> yeah. Totally there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to get there too. I, I love that point too, that usually emerging leaders, there are other things that are happening within their life. Everything is coming together at yes. this impetus. Um, but whenever I talk to someone who's kind of gotten past that point of mm -hmm. life, they look back and they're just like, man, I was really just taking that too seriously, or mm -hmm. I was putting more pressure on myself than I needed to, uh, or just my, I thought that I was way more important than what I actually am. <laughs> That's a great point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You, you think everyone is thinking about you all the time. Mm -hmm. In reality, they're not. <laughs> yeah. 
they're they're not you it's it's our ego putting ourselves at the center of it all and thinking that everyone is constantly has us on their mind and they're comparing us to others and they're they're rating us and they're they're not they're not and that's mm. the i think there's that saying i mean in your 20s you think everyone's you're worried about what everyone has to say about you in your your 30s you're you're you start to realize that that uh, you don't care and then as you get older as sooner or later then you get to your 60s finally and you realize that no one was thinking about you anyway yeah 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 so that's progression in time yeah it's it's funny because daniel one thing that i i i've stumbled into over the last couple of years is a rule called rule number six have you heard of it no no i haven't all right there's so there's a little story behind it and uh, it kind of it aligns with what we're talking about here so there's two prime ministers and they're in a conference room discussing the affairs of state and the like 20 minutes into their meeting a man bursts into the room all right and he is like in fury and he's stomping his feet he's pounding his his fists on the desk in front of him his hands are flying all over he's really upset about something the resident prime minister kindly admonishes him and says hey peter kindly remember rule number six and peter falls into a complete sense of calm, apologizes and leaves the room. Another 20 minutes go by and now a woman enters the room. Same amount of fury, hands flying all over, hair flying all over, voice elevated. She's all upset about something. Again, the, the resident prime minister says, Maria, kindly remember rule number six, where it's calm descends upon her. She apologizes with a slight bow, leaves the room. After the third time this happened, the the visiting prime minister says my dear friend i've seen lots of amazing things in my life lots of amazing things but never anything quite like this can you please reveal to me the secret behind rule number six and he says ah yes it's a fine rule and the, the secret behind it is this it, the rule is this simple don't take yourself so damn seriously <laughs> and then he says of course then the, the visiting prime minister says ah yes after a little reflection that is a fine rule but will you share the other rules with me to that, he responds, there aren't any. <laughs> so all we need is rule number six. So I thought if I knew that rule back in 20, 20, 2006, 2007, I probably would have been, I would have mm. fared much better at that point in time. There is something comforting about knowing that other people probably don't care as much, but then there's also something anxiety provoking in that we all want people to care about the things that we care about yeah. and we want to be seen and we want to be known. What's the... What's the difference or how do you ride that line between not taking yourself too seriously, <laughs> yeah. but also taking yourself seriously enough that you are important and that other people should get to know you a little bit? Oh, it's wonderful. I'm glad you bring this up because it's like so many of the most important things in life. It's not one or the other. Yeah. It's, it's the duality of that, the spectrum of it. And you got to find a time and a season to do a little bit of each mm. you do have to take yourself seriously and i think that's where dreams come in mm -hmm. i want people if there's a dream or something that's sitting on top of your heart that just won't go away you should take that pretty seriously mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you should invest yourself in that because it's a calling it's an omen it's a message of something that probably aligns pretty close with your purpose so there's certainly time to take ourselves seriously but there's also times to lighten up <laughs> and uh, put a little bit less pressure on yourself because when you allow 
rather than strive a lot of times. And there's another duality, striving versus allowing. It's crazy what can happen. And the universe tends to conspire on your behalf. But I'll say this, there isn't an answer there, in my opinion, Daniel, of is it taking yourself is it taking yourself seriously and or not taking yourself which is right there's no right mm. it's a spectrum it's the dualities and it's playing on that spectrum at different points in time in your life i suppose it's more so knowing the places and the people in which you should be taking yourself more seriously around these folks or you don't need to take yourself as seriously around these we all want to be cared for we all want to have deep relationships and we want to be right. known you don't want everyone to know you in that way mm, um, yeah. it depends you can have a couple of people that will always know you deeply and you can share your dreams with and you need to have people like that in your life but that does not need to be everyone and if that's everyone it sort of cheapens those relationships if you're just going out there and sharing with everyone so i guess in mass uh, people don't care and that's okay uh, but yeah. in a small group setting or within your community, people care and you need that. So choosing where and when to, you know, take yourself seriously or to not take yourself seriously. I think that might be the lesson there instead yeah. of, oh, do I need to take myself seriously or do I not need to take myself seriously? Well, yes, you should do both, but it depends where and when. So it's beautifully said. And I'll, I'll, I'll also add to this, though, even in that small group, there's going to be lots of times where you're taking yourself too yeah. seriously <laughs> and you just need to laugh and you just need to, you know, give yourself grace and yeah. give each other grace. Yeah. You, you know, know what? But one of the good things about that group of people is they're going to be able to tell you way before anybody else that, right. Hey, you should follow rule number six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause they right know on. you yeah. and they it's know. It's a fantastic rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good rule. It, it's funny. I like that. There aren't five other ones either. Cause that's I would right. be taking that's, it too seriously. Right. That's the only rule you need to know. <laughs> Oh man. Well, today I I was just, you know, chatting with some people on Instagram and I was thinking about this yesterday with a poll about what is something that um, robs you of opportunities. And I was thinking of some different options and so the options I gave people were I just don't know what I want. My mindset or the third one being I just don't have the resources. And then I gave an opportunity for people to insert their own answer as well. The, the majority of people said that they just don't know what they want. And so when talking about dreams, dreams to me sounds like knowing what you want and then pursuing that. How do people start learning their dreams if they've forgotten how to do that? Yeah, it's, it, I, I love how you position that question too, because now you've got me into this science of hope concept. Okay. Oh, good. So <laughs> if I can head in that direction, I'll tie it back then. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The, science, the science of hope, and this is this has come through. There's some true quote unquote hope scientists who have worked on this mm -hmm. and taken a soft subject and put some some core principles to it. The science of hope really has three areas and they all kind of need to work together in order to be hopeful in your life. And the first one is you have to believe that your future can be bigger, better, brighter than your present. Mm -hmm. The second component is that you need to understand the pathways to get you there. Mm -hmm. And the third one is that you have to have an inner belief that you have what it takes to get yourself to that bigger, brighter, better future. And they call that a sense of agency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So belief in the bigger, better future, that is kind of like the dreams and goals. 
Mm-hmm. You got to have a belief. So you got to, you got to articulate what you're looking for. And that's where yeah, I see your, your questions going. We'll get back to that in a second. The other one is the willpower. I, the willpower, that's the, the sense of agency. I have what it takes. And then the pathways is the way power, knowing the way to get there. Mm. So you got to understand, you have to play with those three things in order to be a hope filled person. But it does, to your point earlier, all start with understanding life goals and dreams. So kind of how I work through that when I, when I, when I coach people is that I bring them through a series of questions that are dream provoking that help them think outside their normal day to day, you know, what are, what are some life goals and dreams that maybe you have buried over the years, or maybe you've never even thought of. So instead of just saying, Hey, what are your goals and dreams? That's too open-ended. I like to give some directed questions that dreams and open people's minds a bit and guide them towards uncovering a few things. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily finding all the time. I think it's more uncovering because they're there. Yeah. It's a matter of of digging a little bit and brushing some dust or some sand off of, of some of these things. So what would some of those questions be for someone who says, I just don't know what I want? Sure. And we go, we kind of cover the gamut in these from, from travel to career, to relationships, uh-huh. to habits, we cover all sorts of different areas. So one fun one just to play with and get an idea of what might be important to someone might be sitting on top of their heart. If I gave you $20,000 in seed money to start some sort of mm. side hustle or passion project, what would you start? What would you do? If you had that money available, what would you start? You, you, yeah. In order to access it, you had to start some sort of little passion project or business. What would you do? Mm-hmm. And that also answers a, a resource question too. So if yeah. you don't have to start thinking about the resources, then what, what would right. you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one would be, okay, what's something that you cannot do right now that you want to be able to do one year from now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I have to think about these myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Believe me, I, I think about these often and my answers change to them. That's kind of the fun of it too. Mm -hmm. Because your dream is a dream now. doesn't mean it might be the same dream one year from now. We're Mm -hmm. all changing and growing and morphing as people. So that's okay. If your dreams change. Mm. And I think the some of the value of these questions, it gives you an opportunity to write it down. And when you write things down, yeah. it's just more likely to to happen when you set those goals and you're able to reflect. And like I've said before, we just don't have a lot of space or margin these days for that sort of reflection activity or to sit and think about the things that we actually do care about and that actually do matter. Having somebody like yourself that is asking those questions that's valuable and we need we need those sort of people in our lives so that's really good yeah so just that's a little bit on hope is there more to hope these things that you're learning right now that are helping you to find more opportunities or is there another subject to something that you're learning right now that you want to share about oh that's the science of hope as a whole it's just understanding those three components to it and now being able to say oh now i understand how dreams fit into that because i in addition to helping organizations dream more, I do think we have the opportunity in the years ahead of us mm-hmm. to help foster more hope-centric organizations as well. So mm-hmm. what that looks like, I'm not sure, but I've been geeking out on a book called Hope Rising, which has been fantastic. Uh, I'm going to add that to my yeah. list. Yeah, right now. And, and they get into it. Okay, how do you how do you how do we measure hope with mm-hmm. an individual? And how do we address gaps in hope and help people? Because generally there's going to be a gap in one of those three areas, the belief of the bigger, brighter, better future, 
or their willpower or waypower. Mm. So understanding where people are on that and how, and taking action and coaching them along in the areas that they need the most assistance and most help. So it's helped me put some additional words and perspective to the importance of dreams, but dreaming in and of itself is only one component to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Then it's, it's also being able to create the necessary pathways to get there Mm -hmm. and build up the confidence and ability and belief in yourself that you have what it takes to get yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. That's mindset and resources too. Like it's all, it's all three is what it takes. So yeah, that's interesting that (laughs) how that lined up. So perfect. Wonderful. Um, Daniel, there's one, one mm -hmm. other story kind of around the science of hope that I think is pretty cool. It's in that book, Hope Rising as well. And it, it's kind of jaw dropping, to be honest with you. So there's a there was a hospital in San Diego, and I'm forgetting the name of it right now. But back in 2008, they were doing some metrics and benchmarking, and one in particular that they looked at was a cardiac event that happens outside of the hospital, but then makes its way to the emergency room. What's the survival rate? Mm. So they they did this benchmarking, and it turned out to be eight percent. Mm. So cardiac event outside the hospital ends up in the emergency room. There was an 8% survival rate. Well, the head of the ER, the emergency department at that point was experimenting with a different procedure to use in addition to traditional resuscitation events or tactics. So they started to put this one in play. Basically, they were putting people on a full heart lung bypass in certain circumstances when they had this cardiac event. So six years go by and they re-benchmark in 2014. And the survival rate jumped from 8% to 28%. Hmm. So it went up considerably, right? So 250% over that six-year period of time. It'd be easy to say that's all because of that procedure, that the new procedure they put into play. Yeah. However, they, they segmented it out and they said, okay, everyone that received the new procedure versus those that didn't. In either case, the survival rate was still 28%. Hmm. So- even people that did not benefit from that procedure directly still survived at a higher rate. That's interesting. All, yeah. All they could, they could narrow it down to was we created a culture of hope. Yeah. Yeah. There's an option. We, be- we <laughs> believed we could save more people and thus our team did a better job mm. because we were more hopeful on outcomes and that translated to the patients and their families as well. They became more hopeful. Hmm. You you won't put in the work if you don't actually believe. Yeah, Um, right. We we thought we could save more people. It's pretty powerful. Mm. Well, Mark, how would listeners connect with you or what are some next steps if they're interested in learning more about dreaming, if they're interested in learning more about hope or some of the things that you are doing? So I'm going to create, I'm going to do the sin here on a podcast. I should have one place to send people, but I'm going to have two. Okay. First off, follow me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. My last name is spelled C-U-M-I-C-E-K. So follow me there. I'm always putting out content. That gives you an opportunity to get to know me. The second would be to check out my website, onwarddream.com. And there's an exercise on there called 21 Days of Dreaming. So if you're interested in personally exploring some of those questions that I, that I mentioned to you, Daniel, um, we've got 21 of those that we serve up 
in 21 straight days. And it's an invaluable exercise to get in touch with your life goals and dreams again. Yeah. I, I think that what's really helpful about that is that it's just delivered to you. It's a little bit easy to write some of those things down and have the reflections delivered to you. You're not having to do some of that extra work as someone going through that program. So yeah, I, I'll put both of those in the, the show notes, if you will. And yeah, I just appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's always, it's always a joy to talk about dreams and hope. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I love doing it. So I, thanks for letting me just talk about the things that I care about and I'm excited about myself too. So, and listeners, we thank you as well. And we know that you have some, some big dreams and that you have things that you are hoping for and you might not know exactly how to get there, but they are there and there is hope and there are, are things that you can do and next steps that you can take. And I, we encourage you to to start going down that route. So check out Mark's stuff, check out those links in the show notes and we'll look forward to hearing from you and we look forward to sharing more things with you in next week's podcast episode. We're gonna continue to help you get unstuck so that you can start creating more opportunities. Suppose you enjoyed today's episode of the Learned Opportunity Podcast and you want to help create hundreds of opportunities for emerging leaders. In that case, there are a couple of ways that you can support this mission. One, you can make sure to follow or subscribe to the Learned Opportunity Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews with thought leaders, experts, and other emerging leaders like yourself. Two, you could leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, and this really helps more emerging leaders discover this show. And third, you could share this episode with someone you want to help get unstuck so that they can start creating more opportunities in their personal and professional lives. So as always, I love to hear from you. You can send me a message on Instagram at DJECCLES, or you can send me an email at Daniel at learnedopportunity.com.